1: Hey everybody, Dennis Prager here, and I'm going to go straight to my guest. I've had on often, he has made a Prager U video, he's a columnist at the Wall Street Journal, Andy Puzzler, Fox News, uh, economic analyst as well. And uh, hey, you know, nice to see you. This is a new, uh, you too, Dennis. new addition to the uh, Prager show, seeing my guests. Where are you right now? That's one beautiful room.
2: Uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I'm in in my study. This is where I do most of the TV and uh, other Skype and Zoom meetings from.
1: So you set up your own lighting.
2: I did. Everything's all set up.
1: Cool. You're, this is great.
2: It's all so, on my iPad, by the way, I, which is incredible to me.
1: Yeah, isn't that isn't it? It is. The whole thing's incredible. It uh, really is. Technology is the best example today of a blessing and a curse. Because the kids who get addicted to their phones is a bad thing. You know, the video games, on the other hand, that we could do this and I have access to so much information. It's blessings and curses come together. Anyway, uh, so by the way, Andy, are you now a regular columnist at the Wall Street Journal? I'm sorry, say that again. Are you a regular columnist at the Wall Street Journal?
2: Well, I would say over the past I don't know six, seven, eight, nine years, they they run probably eight to ten articles. I write a year, so I I guess I'm pretty regular.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because the guys who have an illustration of their of their face seem to be the columnists. Anyway, I hope it's true because you're you're terrific.
2: All right, so
1: so, uh, let me talk to you a little about economics and other matters. How worried are you about inflation?
2: Uh, I'm real worried about inflation. I don't think the Biden administration has any plan to combat it. They, They can't admit that their policies caused it and their policies clearly, clearly drove what we're suffering through now. They couldn't admit it was happening when it was happening, and they have absolutely no solutions to reduce it. So other than the Fed increasing interest rates, which is going to hurt everybody, but probably needs to be done.
1: There was an article in the Los Angeles Times. I don't. I don't expect you to have read it. I read the LA Times. I live in LA, and because I'm, uh, I'm, a martyr to my cause of bringing information to my listeners. But uh, uh, they said uh, the uh, the high gas prices have nothing to do with policy. It's only because of COVID.
2: You know, how could that possibly be? Look, they they there is a a concerted effort by John Kerry, which has been very successful, to get banks, large banks like Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, Citigroup, not Bank of America, not to lend to oil, uh, people that are in the oil or gas business. Now for the big companies like Exxon, you know they can probably get by. But for the smaller companies, the independents, the people that are out there fracking, it's incredibly expensive, it's incredibly risky. And if they don't have the resources to, uh, to, to the, the financial resources to do the drilling, it significantly reduces our ability to maintain our, our energy independence, which we gained under President Trump. If we lose that, we're dependent on other countries for oil. When we're when we're tapping into the supplies available in other countries, we're driving up the demand for oil worldwide. Oil is priced worldwide; it's not just priced in the United States we were the third largest energy exporter in the world prior to COVID. If we don't get back to that, if we reduce the supply and we increase the demand because we're trying to tap into that supply, prices are going to go up. That's exactly what happened. Nobody should be surprised by this. Even Larry Summers predicted this was going to happen. And you know Larry Summers and I often disagree, but I don't think he's stupid. And back last March, he said, if you enact these policies, you're going to see massive inflation that Biden administration ignored him and we're paying the price on food and on energy.
1: Just a word on Larry Summers, I, I regard him as a liberal, not a leftist. And, yeah, and, I,
2: I think that's fair.
1: Yeah. So, that, that's the, the liberals don't understand the, that the left is destroying liberalism, but we conservatives do. So, that that's the battle in the country is for the mind of the of the liberal. I did not know <clears throat> it's not uh I'm not proud of it, but I did not know about the lending John yeah. John Kerry can pressure banks whom and whom not to lend to
2: how yes and not only can he but he has been and and it's I, I had a Wall Street journal article on this about or maybe two three weeks ago uh talking about how in Texas they had enacted a law that said that um, that if you didn't if you didn't uh, lend to, if you didn't support, if you refused to invest in the oil and gas sector, in the fossil fuels industry, uh, you couldn't do business with the state of Texas. And that really cut these big banks out of about $58 billion last year uh, in municipal bond deals. So this year, if there were a a similar number of municipal bond deals in Texas, which is a very fast-growing state, Uh, then these banks would be cut out of that. And that that kind of woke them up. Uh, I think that if we can get more red states to take actions, like Texas took, uh, we're going to see real progress in fighting back this environmental, social governance investment criteria uh, that's that's affecting really our entire free enterprise system, but in particular the fossil fuel sector.
1: So let me go back to my question then. How did John Kerry force, I don't know, Citibank, to uh, not loan money to uh, uh, an energy companies.
2: Look, there's a lot of pressure that Kerry can bring to bear from the government. I mean, he is Biden's, um, what is, what is, I forget what his title is, he's their, you know, the climate uh, guru, the climate guy for, for Biden. Uh, and he carries a lot of weight in the White House, and he's going around to these banks saying, look, we've got control of the House, we've got control of the Senate, we've got the presidency. If you don't toe the line, if you don't get on board with this, Uh, Not only are you going to have adverse reactions from investors like BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard that own huge amounts of these public companies, even these publicly held banks, and they're all pushing this ESG investment criteria, not only will you have pressure from them, but you'll have pressure from the federal government. So they all kind of threw their hands up in the air and said, all right, we're going to commit to this carbon neutrality by 2050 and try and convince everybody we're super good people, and in the meantime, we'll destroy the American fossil fuel sector.
1: So, what is the case with Texas? Did Texas prevail?
2: Well, Texas passed this legislation. There's two parts of this. First, there's the part where they can impact the banks by saying, if you don't do business with people in the fossil fuel sector, you you can't do business with Texas. That's great. If you don't invest in fossil fuels, you can't do business with Texas. That's great. The problem is you've got these investment asset managers like BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, that handle billions and billions of dollars uh, for the state of Texas and for other red states as well. And they will take the shares they own in oil and gas companies and vote them against the interests of the people of the state of Texas. For example, uh, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street own about 21% of Exxon. Uh, when Exxon, when a, a, uh, Exxon found a proxy contest coming from a, a group called Engine Number no. One, that tried to put environmentalists on Exxon's board. Now imagine this is putting environmentalists on an oil and gas company's board, one of the largest companies, if not the largest company in Texas, employs thousands of Texans, very supportive of the oil and gas industry. BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard took their 21% interest and voted those shares in favor of the insurgent uh, company, engine number one, to put those, not only to put those Uh, those environmentalists on the board of Exxon, which has had a tremendous impact on how Exxon does business, but also on some shareholder resolutions that were in support of these climate change, these climate change agendas, zero carbon by 2050. So it it succeeded. Texas succeeded by getting these banks to pay attention and say, hey, you know, we're not going to be able to do business with Texas if we don't invest in oil and gas companies. However, these companies like BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, the problem with them is they do invest in oil and gas companies and then vote the shares against the interests of the people. What, an, what so, animates
1: BlackRock? I'm sorry? What animates BlackRock?
2: BlackRock is run by a, an individual named Larry Fink. He's the CEO. And he and these other asset managers have really teamed up on these ESG investment criteria, the idea that they're going to save the world.
1: Okay. So uh, by, the, so Ideology.
2: Ideology. Social justice and corporate governance.
1: So they're they're run by leftists. That's that's the that's the answer.
2: That is absolutely the answer. They are run by leftists, and red states better wake up quick because this is a big problem. This is a threat to the entire free market capitalist system, and I think people really don't need. It was the video I did for PragerU. I mean, this is a huge threat.
1: My God, is it? All right, can you hang on? Sure. It'll right, be back with Andy Puzder who uh, is on Fox with economic insight, and really social insight, and the same with uh, Wall Street Journal. This is just another example of my constant, constant phrase, daily probably, everything the left touches it ruins. And if you think that emergency measures in the name of COVID were something, wait till emergency measures in the name of climate.
0: The Dennis Prager Show.
1: Folks, have you noticed, home prices are skyrocketing right now. For current homeowners, that means your home has more equity. With today's high cost of living, your monthly debts are higher, and your ability to save money is tougher than ever before. That's why you should contact Andrew and Todd at Sierra Pacific Mortgage now to review your cash-out refinance options. If you have credit card debt, home improvement projects, or just need more savings, this may be your last chance to take advantage of today's low interest rates. Andrew and Todd can help you get cash out while rates are at historical lows. Go to andrewandtodd.com, fill out their simple form for a quick mortgage checkup, or call 888 1172 andrew and todd at sierra pacific mortgage can help you get back to financial security go to andrewandtodd.com or call 888-888-1172 888-888-1172 andy Puzder is on with me now and uh, he is with the wall street journal and with Fox News specializes in economics. You, you have a tremendous background in, uh, in, in economics, of course, and, and in business specifically. So how do you explain this, this incredible, destructive, left-wing turn of so many people in business?
2: Oh, it's a little hard to explain. I think a lot of people become dependent on government assistance for their business. They don't want to generate support from the government. Uh, they don't want to be over-regulated by the government. They want the government to buy into what they're doing as opposed to opposing it. Uh, so you, you, you find a lot of incentives for people to, uh, to comply with this sort of collectivist attitude. Uh, secondly, there's, there's a lot of pressure on businesses not to do anything that offends the left because the left is very good at attacking people on the right. The left thinks, they think collectively. They don't think independently. They don't, people on the right, they just want to run their business. They want to run their lives. Uh, They want to be successful. They want to teach their kids how to be successful. People on the left have a kind of a group think. And when they come after you, if you're running a business, they can seriously damage uh, that business. Now, I I have to say, I found, uh, when I was running CKE Restaurants, that when I came out and said something that was uh, conservative or, or, or leaned right, it actually, and, and we got a lot of protests from people on the left, um, it, it actually would increase our business. It actually would help. Now, I, I marketed our company a little different than some other companies market theirs. And, and we were more of a, 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 we we were a large brand, a national brand, but we weren't as big as McDonald's, Wendy's, uh, or Burger King. Carl's and Hardy's are smaller, so we could kind of compete as the as the as the runner-up kind of uh, person, we didn't have to have this broad appeal. We could appeal to a particular segment of the population, and do so effectively. But I think businesses get a lot of pressure from the left, uh, as far as consumers who, who who gang up on you. They get pressure from the government, uh, and they get pressure from government regulatory agencies, from the bureaucracy. Finally, let me say one other thing. I think when people are people become successful maybe more easily than they thought would be the case. You know, you might take a Mark Zuckerberg, for example. Uh, they tend to think that they didn't deserve it. And uh, they want to look like they're very generous people. I don't see Mark Zuckerberg giving away the bulk of his fortune, but he wants to appear as a very generous person. And so they will, they will do things to try and make him appear that way. And I think part of that is to go with these collectivist uh, leftist ideas.
1: Look, the fact is, and I, I've said this to my listeners for years, big business is not our ally. And and that flies in, well, let me ask you, do you think that flies in the face of basic capitalist theory?
2: No, I, I think small businesses are our right. ally. Right, they're, they're the, the, the best, right. yes, agreed. I think uh, the, the big business has become very government dependent. You know, the larger you are, the more you're, you know, like, any of the car companies, how dependent are they on the government for subsidies to try and get their products on the market? If you can sell it, if a Tesla can undersell you know, a Chevy because it's using uh, you know, electric, uh, it, it, it's, even though fossil fuels are creating the electricity, it's an electric uh, run car as opposed to a gas powered car, uh, then people are going to be trying to do the things to make the government happy so they can get those subsidies and their cars cost less because that's how you compete. So the more the government becomes involved, the more government picks winners and losers that's right. The more government is subsidizing business, the more you're going to tend to see businesses going towards leftist collectivist type activity
1: and that's even true though, under a republican president
2: Yes, that's absolutely true um it it it's true across the board
1: so elections have no effect on big business being left wing.
2: Well, you know that what one the one election that seemed to start to make a difference was Donald Trump's election. I think Donald Trump was so disruptive to the system. I think this is why you found that in not only 2016, but with with great venom in 2020, uh, the not only the mainstream media, not only Democratic Party, not only unified everybody on the left because. Donald Trump came in and really put the lie to everything that Barack Obama and Joe Biden had been saying about the economy, about what would work for the economy when Obama was in office. That you needed government, you needed government help. Government built that, you didn't build that. Uh, we needed government regulation. Trump came in, wiped all of that out immediately, and the, and the, uh, the economy soared. The labor, labor numbers were the best we've seen in my lifetime. Wages went up, inflation was down. Everybody was working. Uh, poverty was reduced more than it had ever been reduced and reduced for children more than it had ever been reduced for children. So you really saw Trump coming in and changing the dynamic. Companies were had to come back to america you didn't come you didn't treat America fairly you didn't treat us fairly. you were a globalist. well, guess what we weren't going to treat you fairly either. so you started to see a change with that election, but you know when we elect people that are more establishment Republicans. And, I, you know, I may end up supporting an establishment Republican in the next election because whoever is going to be better than Kamala Harris or Joe Biden. But if we get a real mover, changer, shaker, mover in office like Donald Trump, there's tremendous resistance on the right to the extent that they probably did things in the election. Uh, certainly the media did things during the election that they wouldn't have done in any other election and been able to get away with it. But they were all so adamant that Trump be defeated because he was going to bring down their entire globalist economy. Uh, that uh, And they won. Uh, they won this. But who knows? He may be back in 2024. We may have a another very, very solid candidate who could make changes. But it's going to be tough to find somebody that would implement changes dynamically as uh, President Trump did.
1: You know, I interview a lot of, uh, I mean, I interview the finest minds in the country. But very few am I in such total agreement as I am with you. <laughs> I, I, it, it's just just the way it is. Anyway, good to hear. Uh, yes, well, we're, we're, you're out fighting, and so am I. Andy Posner, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Dennis. Pleasure to be here. Thank you.
1: That's what he did, Donald Trump. He disrupted. I didn't know there was such a, a deep state till then. I didn't know there's so much I didn't know until the last few years that I'm. I I will admit I'm a little embarrassed. But I have to be transparent with you. I trusted doctors till the last two years. You have homeowner's insurance for a good reason, because without it, a fire, flood, or burglary could destroy you financially. But there's another major crime your homeowner's policy does not cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, and it can ruin you financially, which is why you should consider home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way onto your home's title, they help shut it down. Go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. And enter radio for your 60-day money-back guarantee. That's code radio at HomeTitleLock.com The dishonesty of the major media throughout the Western world is arguably the greatest source of the crisis of the Western world because people are fed falsehoods. In terms of omission as well as commission, as much omission, I'll I'll give you a recent example and then I'm going to go to my guest who has made a preview video on the New York Times. Just now, you should look up how many mainstream papers, as they're called, Washington Post, New York Times, L.A. Times, CNN. Well, CNN did. Jake Tapper, I played. And I and I did it because I want you to know that any time the left does something honest, I will bring that to your attention. But... Uh, Almost none of your liberal or left-wing relatives know what uh, what Justice Sotomayor, Sonia Sotomayor, said about 100,000 children being in the hospital for COVID when the number is 3,500. 100,000. Her perception of what is happening is because of the New York Times, which I have no doubt she reads daily, and CNN and the others. She lives in a fake world like the entire left does. Here's a great test. Ask every single one, not controversially, not in an attack. Ask every liberal relative you have or friend. Did you, did you happen to catch what Sonia Sotomayor said about kids and COVID. My guest is Ashley Rinsberg. He's an investigative journalist, did a magnificent uh, video that is up now at PragerU. And let's see, what is it titled? Can you trust the New York Times? Ashley, congratulations on the video. Thank
3: you, Dennis. It's a a spectacular video and PragerU did an amazing job. So Thank you. That's very kind of you to say that. Where are you, where am I talking to you now? I'm in Israel, at home, just outside of uh, Netanya.
1: Oh, so, so where, what country were you born in? Born in South Africa, Johannesburg. Oh, why didn't I guess that? (laughs) (laughs) An investigative journalist (laughs) on American journalism, living in Israel, born in South Africa. Okay, I got it. Anyway, it it really is... uh, a uh, d- delight to talk to you. So I'm going to play for uh, everybody just the, the opening of your PragerU video, and then we'll uh, elaborate on the New York Times and its most recent errors. Back, in, uh, oh, b- back with you in just a moment. So here here, here the you are. The most
3: influential news source in the world is the New York Times. Every day, hundreds of newspapers and TV and cable news stations around the world follow its lead. Literally. Why wouldn't they? Isn't the Times the gold standard of journalism? The place where the facts of the story are presented without bias or agenda? Actually, the answer is no. When it comes to episodes of major historical significance, the New York Times has routinely failed to provide the public with unbiased journalism. Instead, it has chosen to manufacture false narratives, often with catastrophic consequences. It has done this in service of its own financial and ideological interests. This goes back at least to 1932. Okay, all right, so we'll
1: talk about thirty-two in a moment. That's the beginning of Ashley Rinsberg's uh, video on, on the New York Times. Tell the story of their firing an editor, not even a columnist, an editor, because he published a Republican senator.
3: Yeah, that's um, it's it's a topic I cover in the book actually because this you've got this environment at the Times culturally that is so radicalized or has become so radicalized over the last five years or so that they couldn't stomach. I mean, this is this individual's name is James Bennett. He was a very senior editor at the New York Times. He was highly regarded not just by the New York Times across the media as a liberal stalwart. We're not talking about a, a right or center right person here. We're talking about a you know. A, a liberal guy. Um, and he published an op-ed by Tom Cotton, um, in which Cotton calls for using the National Guard to quell the riots slash protests that took place um, last summer. And that was just in, in intolerable to the New York Times' newsroom. Um, there was a, a upheaval or a, a walkout by hundreds of Time staffers and he was eventually fired for his transgression of having a a war hero and i, I believe a harvard trained lawyer um senator contribute a piece to the new york times and they fired him fired him they they had his back for a, a few days mm-hmm. um and they kind of were running this line about uh free expression and an open exchange of ideas And then when things got too hot for them to handle, he was out. So that was pretty summarily. We'll
1: be back. I'll be back with you in a moment. Ashley Rinsberg, the the video, and and of course we have to to, uh, mention the book a uh, very important about the New York Times. All of you out there know that My Pillow doesn't have their box stores or any shopping channels. They've been part of this canceled culture, and they want to pass on the savings directly to you. You can get the lowest price in the history of My for their classic standard My Pillow, regularly 69.98, now only 19.98 with the promo code. They also have queen size, regularly 79.98, now 24.98 with the promo code or king size regularly 89.98 only 29.98 with your promo code. My pillow is not just pillows, they've over 150 products everything from sleepwear to my new beds. Promo code also works on MyStore.com and FrankSpeech.com. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-761-6302. Use the promo code Prager to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his standard MyPillow. That's MyPillow.com, promo code Prager, or 800-761-6302.
2: Hello, everybody.
1: Ashley Winsburg. His current video up at Prager U on the New York Times, and he has a an important book, really important book, "The Gray Lady Winked: How the New York Times Misreporting, Distortions, and Fabrications Radically Alter History." My sense, Ashley, is that uh, things are actually getting worse at the New York Times. I gave the example just this week with Sonia Sotomayor's absurd statement I mean, a grotesque distortion of reality saying a hundred thousand kids were in hospitals uh, for COVID when it's the numbers about 3,500 so I looked up did anybody report this and we got Jake Tapper said it on CNN and Finally, the New York Times reported it in one sentence in the bottom of an article in a series of articles in a daily COVID update. One sentence. If, that, if it had been the other way around, uh, if, let's say, a, a, a conservative justice had said, you know, there's virtually no one in the hospital today for COVID, it would be major headlines in the New York Times do you do you agree with this assessment
3: yeah that's absolutely the case and you know with the, this is the kind of stuff that we see um on a micro level like with this case even though this has big ramifications just as we saw it 40 50 60 years ago or more for example with the holocaust doing the same exact thing exact with with the holocaust and and historical episode of major significance where they would bury stories just in that same manner back of the paper maybe a couple inches about you know a million murdered jews in europe and that's a tactic we we kind of think of it as an oversight but it's not that's giving them a little too much credit it's intentional
1: it's deliberate it's part of the editorial process When Bennett was fired, their own editor, because he published a Republican senator, I read, and tell me if you know more about this, or if if this simply resonates with what you know, it was overwhelmingly young New York Times staffers who pushed for him to be fired. That's also what I've read, and that is probably
3: the case. But it kind of leaves out one piece of the picture here, which is the New York Times' audience. Their audience of subscribers who they're hoping will pony up monthly for 20, 30 years to come are younger, woker, more millennial than they have previously been. They are, They are sort of creating this new audience and cultivating that audience, which is more radical, more zealous, and less likely to be in favor of of the kind of centrist compromise that America has traditionally been built on. That's why we're seeing such radicalization at the paper itself, because they are chasing the money. They're, They're following the dollar with that. And it might be a sound business strategy, but from the point of view of gathering facts and bringing the truth,
1: it doesn't exactly work. So, do you think, and I don't want wishful thinking here just do do you think that except for the left that the reputation of the New York Times is lower than it's ever been?
3: Absolutely. I think that Times used to be an American institution. I think people who even were uh not ideologically aligned with them respected them, respected the reporting, knew that whatever the foibles might be, whatever the problems the management, the ownership had, that there were a lot of great reporters there in the newsroom uh, manning the operation. Today, we're seeing that shift play out in real time where part of their desire to follow that younger, woker audience means finding a newsroom that's in line with those expectations as well. And the real problem there is that part of the woke movement or or, or something that's very core to it is this idea that whatever whatever gives us more power is true rather than the other way around. We've typically thought of truth being power. They look at it as power being truth. And that's exactly what we've seen with the 1619 Project, where whatever helps our ideological aims is by definition true. And we're seeing that reflected in in the New
1: York Times newsroom today. Wow. So I I infer from what you say that they are building a young audience. I thought that they're in trouble in that regard.
3: They are in trouble um, in large part, you know, because they haven't fully um, innovated and adapted in their, in their space, but they are, te- are tempting to build a young new audience an audience that they can rely on now that advertising is out of the picture for them they're looking at subscriptions and they want long-term subscriptions they want subscriptions for from people who are in their 20s and 30s uh who are going to be paying that that fee for the long term that's where their revenue base will will really come from and they've been doing an okay job trump was a boon for them he really drove a lot of revenue a lot of subscription like a lot of newspapers and news outlets on the left they're now suffering from the lack of Trump.
1: That's right, that's what I've heard. I'm curious, you may not have an answer to this because it's not what you wrote about, but is the Washington Post more, less, or equally unreliable?
3: You know the post. I haven't studied it as in the depth that I've studied the New York Times. What I can say is that the episodes where, or the historical episodes, the Holocaust, or uh, reporting on atomic radiation as a result of the bombing of Japan, or a number of others, where you look at the the Times and you look at its great competitor, the Post, side by side, and the Post never went as far down the rabbit hole as the New York Times did. The Post never covered up the Holocaust. The Post was actually advocating for a boycott of the Berlin Olympics in the 1930s, where the New York Times was just embracing the Nazi propaganda uh, with both hands. So, you know, historically, there's, there's almost no question. The Post has been much more reliable. Um, the Times has really gone out on the farthest limb in order to advance its own agenda, where the Post at least had some modicum of hewing to the truth. And today? You know, today it's unclear. What we know is that uh, you know, the Post has deep pockets. It's owned by Jeff Bezos, right. the owner of right. Amazon, um, on the one hand. On the other hand, it makes them, in a way, vulnerable to the kind of leverage that the Times is vulnerable to, which is, in a large degree, right. um, the, the leverage of business and the leverage of China. All right. Because All right. Listen, Post-
1: I want to thank you, and I want to send everybody to your book, The Grey Lady Weaked. And, and to your video at PragerU. Ashley, thank you.
0: Closing time. Turn all of the lights My friends, I'm Dennis
1: Prager. It's great to be with you. I wrote in uh, April of 2020 that this was a dress rehearsal for a police state. And I was right. And police states rarely happen overnight unless there's some violent coup. So we have a gradual but very powerful movement toward a police state. We have not yet reached the levels of Austria or Canada or New Zealand or Australia or France or Germany or almost any European country. That's why I wrote last week my column that America remains a beacon of freedom despite the lack of freedom in the country compared to other Western countries look at Canada Canada is a police state it is there has been in, in Canadian history putting aside issues of its founding and its and its treatment of indigenous peoples there has never been a Canadian segregation and legal subjugation of a group like the unvaccinated. And they get away with it because the media lie to you about the pandemic of the unvaccinated. The vaccine turns out to be largely uh, a, a dishonest enterprise in that it's not a vaccine. Vaccines render you... Uh, safe from the illness. This does not do that. They have redefined. In fact, they literally dictionaries are now redefining vaccine to protect you rather than, in other words, if you get the illness, you won't be as sick as if you would have been, had you not been vaccinated. That's not a vaccine. By the way, if it does that, that's great. And if there are no side effects, it's wonderful, but there are side effects for many people. So my point about the police state is this, and that's why the, this is the most important Supreme Court decision in memory. If, we, if the government can shut down businesses, force businesses to fire people, etc., etc., and have the government do so based on this quote-unquote emergency, All they need to do is declare an emergency. And I promise you, I don't usually make predictions. I promise you that they will declare climate change an emergency. Wait till you see what they shut down then.